Hey guys, welcome to the Seven Figure Box Podcast. My name is Andrew Frezza, and today's episode is an episode that I recorded a few weeks back with Brendan and Ashley Lawyer of the Iron and Mortar Summit and the Iron and Mortar Gym. And this was a two-part episode. The first part episode was episode 37 of the Seven Figure Box Podcast, where I spoke to Ashley and their business partner, Lacey Nelson, specifically about the Iron and Mortar Summit. And the Iron and Mortar Summit's in its third year. Uh, We are gonna be attending, my brother and I, on June 24th and 25th of 2019 in Portland, Oregon. And this episode is focused more on not the summit, but the gym itself. And the Iron and Mortar Gym was actually started after the summit. So they started by running a summit first, And then through the knowledge they gained in the summit, they decided that they were gonna open up a gym and that's what they did. So I talked to the husband and wife duo of Brendan and Ashley about all the things related to starting their gym. They're a little over a year in and we talk about things like PT first and why it was so important for them to institute this personal training first right from day one. Why you have to wholeheartedly believe in what you're doing in order to succeed what things were different from them from planning to practice. They were in a very unique position where they had all this knowledge from running a summit and what things became unexpected to them when it came time to finally open their doors. And then why you shouldn't trade memberships for coaches, right? And why you should aim for full-time, fully committed coaches on your staff. And finally, why sales is one of the most important, if not the most important skill that you need to work on if you're gonna be a new coach or new business owner. So I hope you guys enjoy today's episode and we'll talk soon. Welcome to the Seven Figure Box Podcast. My name is Andrew Frezza and I'm joined today by Brendan and Ashley Lawyer from Iron and Mortar Gym and the Iron and Mortar Summit. And this is a part two episode. We just spoke to Ashley and Lacey about um, running the summit, how it started and why you guys should attend. And I want to talk to Brendan and Ashley a little bit about how the summit has translated into running a better gym since they now own iron and mortar gym. And a lot of the ideas that they learned in the summit have been implemented into the gym. So give us your kind of your, I guess, let's go back to the beginning. What was your CrossFit love story? how did you fall in love with CrossFit? And then whose idea was it to start a gym? Well, Uh, I started doing it back in 2009 in a small town where there's just one little gym and nobody knew what it was. And I quickly became very obsessed with it. And coming out of high school and stuff, I wanted to keep, you know, performing as an athlete. And so I tried to learn as much as I could, um, ended up moving to Seattle, uh, which is where I met her. Um, That went pretty well, you'd say. It had been pretty competitive most of my life and stuff, and I got the opportunity to be a part owner of a facility. Um, a lot of good lessons learned about getting things in writing and stuff, but mm-hmm. it, it elevated our, our opportunity to, to get to here. So I'm very grateful for where we're at right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, started in 2012. We, I met him at a seminar that I was attending, and he was very professional. It wasn't anything weird. Uh, we didn't talk till after. Um, but yeah, I fell in love with it too. I was a college athlete and it was one of those things like, you're like, what do I do now that I'm done and CrossFit, there couldn't have been a better fit for me. And I've loved it ever since. And yeah, so here we are today. And I thought I'd, sorry. 
Um, so you guys met outside of CrossFit, but we're both doing CrossFit at the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Cool. And then, so take us from kind of finding it, falling in love with it to starting the gym. And we just, we just talked to you guys about the iron and mortar summit. The first one was September, 2017. So what was the timeline for starting the gym? And when was that seed planted for first opening up a gym? I can, I'll, I'll tell it for you Yeah. since I'm more, I'm more pulled back. Yeah. I'm more <laughs> pulled back. So it's easier to tell. Um, Brennan's been working in CrossFit for a really long time. He's been a coach in some capacity for the past 10 years. And um, he was working at another gym and he had been a part of a community that he really loved, but he was ready to maybe do something on his own or at least see where he was, be a little bit more sophisticated. And it wasn't happening and he was feeling a little frustrated. And he actually found Stu Brower's videos online. And as you know, Stu's tone, he makes it seem like, yeah, why am I not doing this stuff? I'm sorry for not doing this. So I think it made him feel more validated. At that point, he was talking more to Lacey. And their relationship snowballed into the summit where I jumped in. And then in September, we had our first one, September of 2017. And then the gym was opened December of 2017. So. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty quick turnaround and nothing was even for sure by the time the summit was happening. We didn't know we were opening a gym when the summit actually rolled around, um, which is surprising. It was uh, yeah. a lot of things going on in yeah. that season, which I mean, I like the pressure. I like a little stress. It kind of makes me work a little bit better. And I think yeah. everybody gets that. Yeah. And but I, I shudder to think about what the gym would have been like without summit it definitely helped and even just communication with more consultants in the area and then even we're fortunate to have a network locally with people like Lacey and other local business owners that really helped us form our vision and make it feel right for us while still being professional that was really helpful cool so you basically attended your own summit and had so many ideas that you couldn't not open up a gym, essentially. It helped so much. Yeah. <laughs> like, just our opening was probably 10 times better than what we could have hoped for. Um, we had learned a lot of different systems and different goals that we wanted to implement right away. Uh, we knew from working with Lacey, our, our business partner for the summit, that we needed to do more. And we had some ideas about what that would look like, but attending the summit and getting to speak with all of these people who have already gone and done this, it helped way more than we ever could have thought it would. Oh, yeah. So what, what did you guys do from like a pre-opening standpoint? Because I think this is where a lot of new gyms miss the boat and then a lot of gyms never catch up. And I, I would even throw us in this boat of like, we're six years down the road and there's probably things that you guys are doing better than us because you went into it a little bit more planned out, a little bit more structured before day one, right? And you had, maybe you didn't feel like you had a lot of time, but you had a little bit more time where you weren't coaching classes to specifically focus on how can we set ourselves up for success once we do open. So what were some things, specific things you guys did, whether it be systems you implemented, marketing stuff that you did prior to opening that you felt like set you up to be successful? Um, he had stopped working at the other gym in October, so the month after the summit. 
And kind of from there, I was self-employed at the time. So uh, we very much did probably have more time than the average person does before opening a gym. We're lucky in the, the community that we live in. It has a population of over 100,000, but it still feels very small. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have a lot of relationships where we live. We're not from here, but we've built a lot of really great relationships, which I think is the biggest thing. You have to have relationship, relationships with people. That's what we do. So it certainly helps before you open the door to have those already built. Um, Was that something? you had to um, sort of go out of your way to do, whether it be like connect with local businesses or is that something that comes naturally to you guys is to kind of connect and build relationships in that sense? Um, I would say somewhat naturally. Um, Just, I mean, it does feel like a smaller town. So you run into people in a lot of different places and stuff. So you find one or two common interests and it doesn't take much to say, hey, you know, come by our new business and check it out. I think we were really fortunate and it's not the case for everybody. Um, We had an audience that cared what we did. Um, So we would post teasers when we signed our lease, like a picture of, hey, can you figure out where this is? Or um, little like when we got our key, like just taking a picture of the key, even before anybody had seen this. And we made shirts. Um, I think I made over 100 shirts before we even opened the doors and we did a pre-sale of t-shirts, even for people that didn't end up coming here. It was just already support of our business and getting the name out. Um, Things like that, like debuting a website, um, having a logo made, and just debuting that stuff before doors ever opened was helpful. Um, I don't think there was as formal of a plan as maybe I would go into, you know, now, but I think we had advantages that other people don't exactly have. Yeah, yeah. I would say uh, when as soon as our doors actually opened and stuff, we wanted to make sure that we weren't doing a crazy big class format. That was one direction that we wanted to go really hard in the opposite direction. Um, I, I don't know, just from coaching big classes in the past, I personally didn't like coaching classes with more than 20 people in it. Yeah. Um, I just felt like it was a, not the right fit. And so when we started, we we actually implemented like a PT first kind of model, yep. and it was a lot of work. It turned out way better than we thought it would, but it was a lot of PT, and we didn't <laughs> expect Ashley to be really coaching as much. She has her level one and all that, but it was kind of, you know, this is what I really love doing. And so when we implemented the PT and people signed up for it, and actually said yes, like a lot of people. Well, we, you know, you've been in CrossFit a long time too, like we're when I started, you just jumped into class. Oh, yeah. Always been. So taking people that have been in it as long as we have and then being like, knowing that we were going to ask people to pay for personal training before they ever join a class or like, they're going to say no, they're going to say no, nobody's going to come in. And then they say yeah. And then a lot of people say yeah. So that was really cool. And it made us very busy for a while. Yeah, it was a good problem. Yeah. Yeah. So did you I think a a big thing that people struggle with is stuff like that. It's, Hey, I don't want to have barriers to entry. I don't want to price myself. I don't want to outprice myself in the market. What, what gave you guys the confidence and and did you start higher in price because of the knowledge that you were coming in from uh, going into the summit previously? Our, our regular gym membership was higher priced than I think the majority of gyms in the area. Um, 
our PT rate was lower than what it should be. We, we are fully aware that the market rate for PT should be more, but we're also asking for people to sign up anywhere from five to 10 sessions before they jump into a, a class right. set. Um, that, that gave us a lot of wiggle room too. Yeah. Strategizing that way. And, but yeah, it was, it was definitely, I wouldn't say we had complete and total confidence, but we just knew for this to be sustainable for us, which in long term would make the gym sustainable for the community. It just had to be done as scary as it was for us. And it's really paid off. So. And that's, I was a big believer in it too. Um, I think whatever model of fitness that you're going to sell to people, if you don't believe in it, it's not going to work. Like you have to believe in the product that you're mm -hmm. selling. Otherwise you need to go back to the drawing board and change something. Yeah, definitely. I, I like that approach. I think one I, I've seen with, with our gym, with other gyms, it's hard to like, you want to do PT first, but you're like, well, we just need to get people in the door. Let's just do a fundamentals class. Let's just do a group class. But then those people, when they go to refer their friends, their friends have to start differently than they did. And I think it's really key to set that standard from the beginning where you have, you know, if you want to be PT first two years from now, do it from the get go. And I think it's actually easier when it comes to pricing, you can, it's easier to increase your rates on PT than it is on group classes. So you're better off sort of underpricing the PT as a way to get people in the door because it's easy to easily bump that up. But the group class is harder. It's harder to bump that up. And you have to make sure that you start yourself at a decent rate, enough where you're making some profit, where it's worth it for you to get people in the door. Because if you're setting yourself up where, like you said, you have to have 20 plus people in a class. But a lot of gyms, they have 20 plus people in a class and they still can't make the numbers work. So it's it's really important that you have that vision to be like, okay, we can be profitable at 12 to 15 people in a class. Yeah, and we're I think we're definitely in the mindset mindset is uh that if it's good for the coach it's good for the business and it's good for the client and i'll never forget the first morning we had our first two personal training clients graduate into the group class it was the first class of the day it was at five or six a.m these two ladies just graduated this is their first group class brendan explained laura got out the board and they like knew where the equipment was they knew what movements they were doing like it was flawless like that's just, it had never happened for him that way. And that's when we knew this is how we're doing it for the rest of time. Like you can't argue with that. It, it was really cool to see that. Just the confidence that these ladies had jumping into the class at five in the morning, like our first group class, you know, we've already got some established members and it's like, they're, they're one of them. It, yeah. there was hesitation on anything. It was just, uh, it was great. That's cool. So what does it look like today? How is, how has that evolved? Is it, is there a minimum number of sessions that someone has to do to get into the group classes? Um, it definitely depends on the individual. We like to sit down with people before they even look at doing any sort of personal training or group membership and find out what their goals are. Um, if somebody comes in and they say that they have a very specific goal of doing this race or you name it, you know, we've turned people away, which is, really nice to be able to do because we can give them a suggestion on maybe something that's more appropriate. But then also for people that it is a good fit, we get to know exactly where they want to be in six months or a year. So if they come in and they've got a pretty good background of you know, some fitness, some weightlifting, some sports and stuff, it might only be two or three sessions, which we have a little checklist that we'd like to go through with people. Um, if it's somebody who's you know completely new to this, 
we want them to feel very comfortable and confident knowing that when they go through their sessions that they're going to be given the tools to go into class and do well not feel like you're you know a fish out of water when you jump into the group finally cool um so what are the things like when you guys start opening doors i think there's always a disconnect between knowledge like what you learn in a summit and then implementation and what what were some of the wake-up calls what were some of the things that you guys screwed up or in those early days that you thought would kind of run one way and then just didn't click that way that was the best question to answer <laughs> you roll out a whole list of stuff probably there's I wrote so much down <laughs> just kidding <laughs> i think um while it was successful and I highly encourage people to do the personal training first model. It is very labor intensive. Um, and I think we didn't recognize how uh, popular it would be. We just, it, it's hard to imagine that when you're first opening. Um, I wish we would have known and granted we, we made it and we are, we're fine, but knowing uh, that it was going to require a lot of time. Like, I think he was doing 25 personal training sessions a week. For 10 weeks. The on, first 10 weeks, we had 25 a week. Yeah. Wow. On, exhausted. Yeah, on, on top of the group classes. So that's when I turned into more of the group coach. And we had, I, I thought I was going to sit behind the desk all day. I didn't know how busy we would be. Um, so that, but I mean, it was a good thing, but just knowing it does take work and it's okay. Um, anything from you? I think being okay with things not going according to plan also like I think that was a skill that we had to learn and on the summit side and on the gym side it's like you can have a plan you know you can plan it down to the smallest detail and it might completely go a different direction you got to be able to you got to be flexible to kind of roll with it you're learning how to be flexible aren't you not a natural <laughs> tendency not at all <laughs> Yeah. It's, my, it's still my weakest of the 10 fitness domains too. So, you know, <laughs> balance and flexibility, right? Those are the two. Yeah. Yes. Um, oh, yeah. So what, what things would you do differently today? I mean, if you were, if you were opening up again, what would you do differently today? I wouldn't do a five-year lease on our spot. That's one thing that we, we intentionally got a spot in a, a nicer area where it, we, we knew there was going to be some future development stuff. Um, but I would have liked to have some sort of mobility within that. Um, but I mean, we're going to have to stick it out. I mean, we could sublease or do something like that if we needed to. So it's not that big of a problem in the long run, but I think it would be nice to have a little bit more mobility in that way. Um, I think if we could do it again, and I think it's just, uh, once again, things that we learned from the summit that you don't always quite implement right away, but from having experienced it now we certainly will we didn't have a problem but just making sure to have a lawyer look over everything that you're doing and everything that you're signing you know spend spend that money up front so that it's not a significant loss later um i think that's we haven't had a problem but in the future for sure it, that's like one of the first very adult things is like when you know you need a lawyer to look over something even before there's a problem so i think i would do that for sure. Cool. So what are you, so now we're, we're at uh, just over two years, right? Two years, two months for you guys. 
for the gym, it's one year and two months. Or no, yeah. one year and two months. Sorry, one year and two months. Yeah. So what are some things that you guys are working on now? Like what are some things that are kind of the on the business stuff that you guys are driving towards? Because I think there's a lot of newer gyms out there that that you probably have different struggles than a gym that's been established for for five, six years. So what are what are you guys working on today? Is it primarily still getting new people in the door or what are you focused on in terms of improving the business as a whole? I would say uh, we're, we're very, very lucky to have Lacey as our partner for the summit and we actually just brought her on as the general manager. Um, while she does create more work for me, yeah. days, <laughs> uh, she's been a huge help and that is something that I would, you know, I'm very, very happy that we're, we've gotten to that point where we have a full-time GM, somebody to really help out and care about the business you know, as much as we do. Um, also, we just this week actually yeah. hired our first full-time coach, which cool. I'm excited for. Yeah. Um, I definitely think uh, the new struggles, which are going to be, you know, great ones. Um, I feel like every year is going to be hard. It's just in a unique way. Um, we now have the the responsibility and the privilege of being able to support other people and but that's new managing like managing people like that's very new for me and we have a great team we have wonderful people put in place and but yeah that's definitely a new challenge that we didn't have last year last year it was just him and I so I look forward to actually not being out having to work in the business every day so that I can we can do our best to make it make it grow we we've also got a there's another uh, project in town called iheart yakma they're a local group that does a lot of outreach and they've got a pretty cool thing going do you have anything i don't know they're they're new to me i just recently found them Lacey and ashley are pretty in tune with what they're doing um we've just actually reached out with them and had a meeting with them and it, it seemed like they've got something really great going mm-hmm. um what's their their what are their agendas would you say um, we are doing our best, like moving forward to, as we said, we have better, good people in place now so that we don't have to do all the classes and all the cleaning, um, those day-to-day things. And so we're looking forward to working outside of our walls. Uh, there's an organization in our town called I Heart Yakima, which is the name of the city where we live. And they are... Uh, we live in a place that's pretty wonderful, but the whole state doesn't know that we're wonderful. We're actually kind of the laughing stock of the state. I, that's like the nice way to put it, I think. Um, part of it is deserved and other parts it's not. And so this is an organization that's trying to shed good light on where we live. And they're uh, encouraging business owners, small business owners to get involved to help spread that mission. And so we're looking to partner with them in the future you know, whether it be on local events, um, some of their online, uh, they do, they publish things online and hopefully we can write guest pieces for them. But a lot of what we're looking to do now is not just work in here, but outside as well. And just- Expanding your reach. Yeah, expanding the reach and yeah, trying to not only, like if, if our community is doing well, our business is doing well. So we look forward to helping make the community better because we believe it'll only help our business. So. Yeah. 
Well, you, um, you said something that I found interesting, which is like, yeah, you guys are just over a year in and you have Lacey, who's a GM. You just hired a full-time coach. And what I find with a lot of smaller gyms, a lot of newer gyms is that they're, they're hiring part-time people. They're doing a lot of membership trades. They're not really growing a, a true staff or a true team. So how do you, how do you guys think about that? How have you structured that? Um, it, you know, how does that work for you? Um, I absolutely don't agree with it. Um, I've been a part of that scene. Like we, he started in 09. I started in 2012. I definitely volunteered at the gym or, you know, exchange stuff. And someone always feels like they're losing. Someone will always feel like they're on the losing end of that side. And I think, uh, we've put so much heart and time and energy, um, into this business it's our baby and i can't i can't leave it to somebody that doesn't care no one will care as much as i do but i can't leave it to somebody that is not as invested and if somebody's just trading a membership there's no way they're as invested as they should be to be here alone running it so we believe that it it's scary up front to pay people for full-time work but I have to believe that it's going to pay off in dividends later because everybody here is invested in what the business is trying to do. Yeah. I, I'm a firm believer that our people are paying a premium, you know, fee to join our gym. Um, if I'm going to trade a membership for a coach, does that say that they're getting a premium coach or are they getting somebody who just wants to be in the gym because it's a fun place to be? I, I've always disagreed with that and I didn't like that. I know a lot of gyms operate like that and that's fine. But I think if you want to grow your business, you have to have people that are invested. And if you can't pay, you know, 10 part-time coaches, could you pay two full-time coaches? Yeah. If you, if you stop trading memberships, will people start to value your product more? Definitely. Cool. Um, any other, any other lessons or any other things that you want to share? I mean, I think, Again, you guys are in a unique position that you, you are still a little bit newer. I know you're, you're treating your business in, in a, uh, a very professional sense and a, a very mature sense. But, you know, for people that are out there that are newer, like what are the things that you guys still struggle with that you feel like is different from someone who's been in the game for five, six, seven years um, that, that really are kind of new learning experiences for you? Good one. Sorry, so to clarify, so what I would say to somebody that wants to open a gym or to somebody that has yeah, had just, it. Yeah, someone who's in kind of the newer stages like you, because I think like when you're talking about the Iron and Mortar Summit and who's coming to that that summit event, um, it, it sounds like it's probably going to be more people that are a little bit mature, more mature that can, you know, afford the time off, afford the price tag, right? Whereas when you're kind of in that newer stage, it's just a little bit different and you may not be able to afford the time off, right? You don't have the full-time coach to cover you so you can, you can travel across the country to uh, attend something like the summit. So I think there's just unique struggles that you guys, you guys are facing or working on. Um, and if there's anything that you have for that newer gym owner, um, I think it would be really useful. Um, I would say that you need to, obviously and it sounds cheesy but you need to believe in what you do you need to value what you do uh, if you don't value it nobody will um you sh and on top of that having said that 
like to learn about sales, like from somebody that sells. Um, we have a lot of people in the industry that talk about it, but even friends that we have that work for big companies that they are salesmen, that's all they do. It's really enlightening to speak to them and it makes the process of getting people through your door less scary. And, you know, this should be the easiest thing to sell. Like we all believe in it. That's why we're doing it. It's certainly not for like a huge paycheck. Um, but yeah, just feel confident in what you're doing and, you know, put it all out there and uh, value what you do. That's like what I tell everybody, value what you do. Cool. Yeah, I love the focus on sales. I think that's such a missing piece for a lot of people. And I think that for a lot of gym owners that are really coach really good coaches, really passionate coaches, they're doing a good enough job from a coaching standpoint. It's the other skill sets they're missing, um, whether it be sales, creating relationships with people, um, being able to connect with people and get them to understand their vision. Those are the things that are going to make the difference, not necessarily attending the next Olympic lifting certification or mobility seminar. Those things are going to move the needle so small compared to something like improving your sales skills, which could have a tremendous difference. So I, I love that. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, thanks for taking the time, guys. We're going to wrap this up. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about Iron Mortar Gym and then also the Iron and Mortar Summit as well, which is coming up soon? Uh, absolutely. You can check out the gym website at ironandmortar.com as well as Iron and Mortar on Facebook and Instagram, all that good stuff. And you can check out the summit if we piqued your interest at all for that. It's called the ironandmortarsummit.com. You can register there. You can see all the speakers that we have coming. It's going to be June 24th and 25th in Portland, Oregon. Awesome. I'll see you guys there. Yep, cool. sounds good. Thanks for joining. Thank Take you.